Welcome to Comic Talkers. My name is Brandon. I'm William. And today we're actually going to introduce a new concept we're bringing to the channel. Um, it's actually called the Book Club. So we go over any books or comic book arcs from famous characters or the characters we're talking about at the time frame or teens. And we bring it to you guys, summarize it. And if there's anything we feel needs to be fixed, we try to fix it in our own way. So this is a concept me and Willie have been talking about doing for quite some time, just to kind of get new kids into the older comics, along with trying to get them to understand the things that they see today in comics as well. Um, what was it? Um, if I'm mistaken, actually, Willie, you were the one that brought this up. You were kind of talking about the underdogs, and then we kind of talked about maybe doing this too. Yep. Yeah. So, um, so today, um, I know we kind of got ahead of ourselves with X-Men month. We were just excited to do the X-Men draft. Um, we're going to finish up Teen Titans month, actually, and we are going to go over probably one of the biggest comic books to ever hit Teen Titans, which is the Judas Contract. Um, probably one of the most important comic books in Teen Titans history. Um, anybody who is, yeah, anybody who's paid attention to the Teen Titans at all has heard a rendition of this story in some way or another, because it revolves some of the most controversial characters that are involved with the Teen Titans. Right. And it really showed, you know, like we look at it as um, one, it shows you how big of a villain Slade or Deathstroke is to the mm -hmm. Teen Titans. Uh, yeah, there is a lot of, there is one controversial scene. We will cross that, I think, at the very first issue that we will cover. Um, we'll talk about that. Unfortunately, sorry, guests, you're going to have to listen to it because it is a big part of the comic. Um, Trust me, we have no joy in talking about that part of the comic either, but we know we have to discuss. Um, so just give you guys a little background of the Judas Contract. Um, Judas Contract was a four-part storyline that can be found in the New Teen Titans that was released in the 1980s in frame. Um, the story was created by Marv Wolfen, Wolfman sorry, and George Perez. Um, the issues included issues 42 through 44, and the 1984 annual, it ended with the annual. Um, and like we said already, it's pretty much, this story is pretty much shaped the Teen Titans to the way we know and love them today. Um, this has just been one of the most important storylines, even to today, like Willie's was saying too. Um, you can see it in the show, the Teen Titans regular show. Um, you've seen a movie made about it. You've seen a lot of this in it that to us it is a very important storyline that well, what was it people should read about the teen titans don't you agree willie yeah definitely it's uh like i said it's implements a lot of characters that have been involved in the teen titans like the number one villain obviously deathstroke slade um while also talking about one of the more uh kind of like underdog characters that isn't talked about too much because she was kind of a throwaway character, Tara. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's because of her part that she plays in this story is why it becomes like such a big role that she became part of. And that's one of the reasons that people remember her. It, it's, it's almost like she's remembered for all the wrong reasons. Right. Really. Right. And, and mind you, we're going to kind of give you guys a little sneak peek of this. Um, 
for anybody who hasn't read this, um, this is actually the first appearance is Dick Grayson as Nightwing. This is the first appearance, if I'm not mistaken, of Jericho. And you actually get Slade Wilson or Deathstroke's origin story in this story arc. So there is a lot in this story in that all three of the things we said does happen in issue three of this story arc. So this would be issue 44. Um, and I actually, you know, I actually have the luck of having the comic. It's one of my favorite comics and I still own it to this day. I, I've enjoyed it. Dick Grayson is one of my favorite heroes. So of course I got to get it. When I saw that, I was like, I'm getting it. I don't care. <laughs> I think Willie was there with me the day of, and I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Yep. <laughs> I don't care. So let's actually jump into the first issue. Actually, it's issue 42. Um, it's the book, it's called Book One, The Eyes of Tara Markov. So this one, we're kind of just going to kind of skim through because there's some stuff that happens, but the main scenes we said we'd focus on is the Tara Markov scenes because I think those are some of the most important scenes of this, of this first issue. Yeah. Um, we kind of introduced with a Photoshop or photo shoot of Starfire being taken place with, and Donna Troy is the photographer. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, Donna Troy is Wonder Girl, um, one of the Wonder Girls. Um, so we kind of start with a shoot with them. You know, Dick Grayson's there, Beast Boy shows up with Tara. Um, but all of a sudden we start seeing these little gray screens in the issue. So the first one we see it happen to is actually Donna Troy. And it looks like a camera that's zooming in. We don't know from who yet, but we know kind of, you know, for us, we know, but of course for fans that have never read the comic, you guys don't know what's happening yet. So we start seeing that they're talking about, um, they ended up actually going to Donna's apartment and they start talking about a marriage between her and her husband or her husband or fiance. Let me refrain. I know marriage has to happen first before a husband can actually be made. Sorry. <laughs> um, and they start talking about um, actually where they're going to have the marriage, um, who was going to be the best man or who was going to be the maid of honors. And Dick Grayson was chose that to be the guy that walks Donna down the aisle. Um, and Starfire is named to be one of the maids of honor. And then Tara's asked to be a maid of honor. Now, Tara finds it surprising, but it does happen. Um, mind you, during this whole two, you got Beast Boy, and I think Beast Boy plays a big part of this issue as well, because yeah, he might be immature a little bit, and what Beast Boy isn't, but he's actually kind of getting on Tara's nerves a little bit. So you can see him actually, you know, being kind of inappropriate, like you know, like how about us doing some hugging and kissing, you know. I'd rather kiss a cobra, you know. There's just some of the jokes that are being made right now in this issue. So all of a sudden, we see another snippet. And it shows two scenes. It shows Dick Grayson in this apartment going on with the camera. Um, now, Willie, I'm not sure. Did you, what, what was it? When we went back and revisited this comic, did you start noticing those a lot too, where you have the little camera snippets? Yeah, they were they were pretty interesting because they were kind of just like on the sidelines, but every time they would pop up, they'd just be I don't know, it'd be they were interesting. It's like something was recording a video, but it looked like 
like to me, like the first time I had read it, it was like in very interesting perspective, how it would always capture certain things that were going on. And I don't know how else to put it. It was just interesting. Right. Right. And again, it's like we said, one of the most important scenes to me in this issue was the scene between Terror and Beast Boy. Now, you know, like we said, Beast Boy's being immature. He's kind of being a jerk, you know, just because he's trying. So there's this little scene with Tara and Beast Boy after they leap part ways from Dick Grayson because they follow Dick Grayson to his apartment and then they leave. And Tara asks him, why do you have to be, you know, pretty much why do you have to be a jerk? What, you know, what are you trying to prove? Um, and Beast Boy actually comes back with actually a pretty, pretty hefty answer. And he looks at her and goes, look at the rest of the Titans. They'd be successes even without their powers. Mine are just a fluke of bad luck. The side effects of a medicine designed to save my life. So for people who don't know, that's how he ends up getting his powers. He has a life-threatening disease, if I'm not mistaken. And that was the only way to cure him. And pretty much that's why his skin turned green along with that. He was actually taken in by Doom Patrol at one point and was actually called Changeling at one point and then became Beast Boy later on. Um, so now that was one of the questions I want to ask, Will. Do you agree with him in that case, what he says to Tara? Absolutely. Because it's, it's one of the more tragic things about Beast Boy. It's one of the things that I like about him is he is he knows that he's not the most prominent member he, like he's definitely the underdog of the story but how he gets his worth is being kind of like the happy-go-lucky character the funny guy the guy that always tries to amuse people that has to like give meaning to uh the team in a way right so it's yeah he's one of the more uh what's the word i'm looking for he's one of the more relatable characters like when you're surrounded by all these amazing people like the only thing that you can do to have any real significance is stand out and he does that phenomenally with his attitude right and, you know, Tara comes back with an interesting thing and says, only time anyone's bettering you is when you let them be. And I actually did like that advice because you really think about that. You are who you are. And it's like you said, you know, you look up to these amazing people and what do you have? Nothing. You know, and everybody has done that at one point in their life. But I did like her answer there. Like, mm -hmm. you, you allow that because you allow that yourself, not because it happens. And I, I agree with that. So they kind of continue walking through the park. They meet with Cyborg. Now, we're not going to go too much into this. Like we said, we're only kind of focusing on the main scenes. Um, we find just a funny scene, you know, pretty much Cyborg is trying to ice skate. and keeps on falling. Um, you know, Beast Boy, again, tries to make fun of him. You know, of course, jump into in the form of a rabbit. Thank God, Logan. He falls on his butt and says, thank God Logan isn't here. And then kind of wobbly isn't he you know and and he turns into a rabbit so he's all thumping i i do like i do like cyborgs and beast boys relationship even in the show they do a really good job of it and just seeing it it's just it's just hilarious how to see and you know another kind of like little easter egg that's uh 
that was actually an homage to the Disney cartoon Bambi. Thumper. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And they made him be Thumper because he was commenting on uh, Bambi being all wobbly when he was first born, not being able to stand properly. Right. So again, we continue. They walk Cyborg home. Pretty much, they do the same thing they did with Luke Grayson, and they part ways. But then we also see another snippet again. So just to kind of give you guys a, so I'm not sure if you paid attention. He gets a letter that supposedly is from his. What was it? Um, I'm trying to go through my notes here again. Um, oh gosh. I can't remember. It's a it's a relative. I know that or his grandparents. Yeah. Okay. So we find out later on that's actually not what it was. So we'll, we'll talk about that more later on. But let's keep that letter in mind. Um. But he talks about his grandparents and how they're not close with them and everything like that. And then all of a sudden, we start seeing another snippet again, and it's cyborg this time. So. Again, we don't know what's going on, but we are seeing somebody's watching. Mm -hmm. Somebody, we don't know if it's from somebody else or if it's from that. We just know somebody's watching. Yeah. Um, Great part about that snippet, though, is you get kind of a preference of where it's being stared at. Because when you look at a frame earlier, you see all three of them standing in a formation. Yeah. There you have Terra in front, then Beast Boy, then Cyborg. But then when you see the snippet, you only see uh, Beast Boy and Cyborg, and you don't see Terra. So you kind of, this is where you kind of get the impression, okay, it's probably like there has to be a there has to be some sort of coincidence for the formation on the on the photo on the snippet. Right, right. I started noticing that too when I went back and reread. Now here's the most famous scene of the, one of the most famous scenes in the story. The next page, they part ways with Cyborg, and they're kind of near the Teen Titans Tower. They end up kissing. So, because Beast Boy does have feelings for her. And, you know, this is where I've always felt like I did like Beast Boy with Terra, because at least Beast Boy, it made sense, if it makes sense. Like, you know, they're both tragic characters. They're not. Mm -hmm. And you know, I know you're a proponent of Raven and Beast Boy. Yeah. Raven. I love I love Raven and Beast Boy. I can't say that this doesn't work though. Yeah, I but we're gonna get to something a little bit better here in a couple issues because it's probably one of the most controversial parts of the story. So pretty much after they kiss, they part ways, he turns into a bird, says Yahoo. But then we see another click, and it actually does say click. So there was a picture taken. All of a sudden, we see Tara standing in front of the Teen Titans Tower. She walks in and goes to Raven. Now, I think this is one of the most important scenes of the book um, because Raven doesn't know if she can trust her. There's something about her that is in, you know, what was it? Um, what was it? It kind of, there's a conversation that starts with them and they go, yeah, I heard they say, how come you and me never talk? You're the only one I don't really know. And that's Tara talking to Raven. But Raven comes back with something interesting. I've always sensed corruptness in you, a feeling of inner evil. 
and she tells you know pretty much tara comes back saying you know you think i'm a spy or something and pretty much raven says i don't know what you are but so this is a scene that raven doesn't trust her at all and i do like this scene because and even in other adaptations and everything raven never trusts tara mm-hmm. never has do you feel like you know raven's trying to help in this case trying to find a way that she could or do you actually think yeah there's no way in saving her i think this is one of the more uh showing characteristics of the relationship between raven and tara because raven doesn't know if she's a villain she doesn't know how to determine it but she's always been very in tune with her empathic abilities and she could tell that something is off with tara and because because of that feeling it makes her feel uneasy but at the same time she's doing so much with the titans helping them out that her actions defy her feelings right so trying to gauge her is one of the more uh has been one of the more difficult things for them right and tara just doesn't make anything easier as well i mean she just everything that she does like everything that they do whenever they're talking together i mean she pretty much calls raven a witch because she doesn't feel like she can trust her either right and that was the next point i was going to bring up she walks away because she's upset with raven because of what raven said Mm-hmm. But again, remember, the scene where we see her saying that, it's another snippet again. Mm-hmm. We think somebody's watching. But she's, Tara walks out and says something interesting. And this is where we know something's actually happening with Tara. Yeah. Which, you, I'm saving for myself. So we know something's happening. Something's yeah. not going. Something's not going on. Something's not right. But can I also mention something funny? Is it just mm-hmm. me? Or do they make Raven look like a 40-year-old woman? Yeah, I mean, I get the whole, I get the whole, they're on the older side of the Teen Titans, but yeah, they made her look like old, old, like everyone else is like mid-teen, like, not like mid-twenties, Yeah, and she looks like she's in her forties or fifties, <laughs> Beast Boy's still looking like he's twelve. Yeah, you're not a fan of that relationship. <laughs> After the next one we're going to talk about, you won't be. <laughs> yeah. So so we're going to kind of skip a little bit. There's a little bit of training montages along with, um, you know, like Cyborg's trying to lift. Um, you have Raven, and, or not Raven, Starfire and Donna Troy kind of spar, you know. But the main fight we want to talk about is Terra's and Beast Boys. So they spar, but this is where, you know, pretty much – this is where I think everything comes to a crashing hole. And this is where you really see like Tara's like meanness come out of her. She, Beast Boy kind of like humiliates her in some ways in the sparring match. He turns into a snakes, wraps around her, everything. Um, it, it's really weird. And what was it? Um, but then she really gets upset with him. Pretty much says, that's it, Logan. I played this game long enough and pretty much 
like tries to destroy him and kill him at one point. It looks like he, he's about to be killed. Um, and she pretty much uses her powers, which is she can manipulate. I mean, I can't remember the exact words for it. Um, she's like she's like a earthbender in some ways, kind of like she can um, manipulate all the. Um, I think the uh, the term is like a geomancer. Yes, I can't. I couldn't remember the names. I was like, "What's the, how do you call it?" Like, I was like. Pretty much like just a kind of, she's like a geokinesis. There we go. And she has gravity manipulation. Um, with this, though, it's interesting because she pretty much is owning Beast Boy at this point and almost kills him if, if Donna, Starfire, and Cyborg didn't get involved. But we also see something I wanted to bring up. Um, she actually. What was it? We see a scene with Raven in this fight. Now, it looks like she's talking to Beast Boy. And she says, because Beast Boy's like antagonizing her a little bit, like, you know, like I'm going to get, you know, trying to get in her head. And he, and she says to him, but using by like a telepathic power, no, Garfield, I fear you are making a mistake with that one. Whatever you do, do not antagonize her. The hatred I now sense is almost overwhelming. So she's getting a sense of something's wrong. Something's not happening right. Something's not going right. Why? I guess more of my question is then why didn't Raven say anything? That's probably one of the biggest questions. If he's, she starts sensing something, like that, shouldn't she be telling, especially like Dick Grayson or Starfire or somebody with authority, like, hey, something's not right here. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes with what I was saying earlier, how she can feel uh, she can feel the badness inside of Tara, but she hasn't been able to like prove it because it was just a feeling that she got from her and her actions spoke otherwise. This was kind of like the way where she was able to get her proof, which I think is why she let things play out. Right. Right. And so we kind of, like we said, they break up the fight. Um, you know, we find out a little bit of background. We're not going to go too much into her background a little bit. There was, um, you know, like we find out Tara was being held by terrorists. Um, they did everything to make my life miserable. They put me down, frightened me, humiliated me. When guard kept taunting me, I snapped. So she's maybe like a sense of PTSD or something like that. But at the same time, can we really believe what she's saying? Yeah. That's where, as us fans, we start questioning, like, is this even really true? And she's asking, you know, believe me. Then all of a sudden we get the first panel of Slade. And this is where Slade starts coming into play. And his opening thing he says always, like, gets me. Yeah, that you made a grievous mistake, Sarah. Yeah. But this is where the most controversial scene comes into play. Yep. We find out Tara's got a thing for Slade. And in nice turns, they're doing it. Getting I'm going to leave it like that, yeah. We're not going to say the real words. Um, but yeah, you know, but this is where the most controversial part comes into play. 
Slade is probably in his 50s, possibly. Tara's about 16 years old. I'm sorry, parents, for any kid, but this is where the most controversial scene comes in play. This is the scene we both said we were going to regret talking about the most. In this yep. And it you it's like it's obvious they are doing it. There's a relationship between the two. You know, Slate's manipulating her. That's a sad thing. He's just using her and just a card in his thing just to make her feel that way. But Tara feels that way too because she feels that he kind of saved her in some ways. Mm -hmm. And because of her like background that she kind of dived into a little bit, it's this is where I don't think like she was lying about her backstory, but I feel like she was misleading in how it affected her because it's all about like the trust thing for her. And she feels, even though she's being manipulated, she feels that she can trust Slade. Right. And it plays a big part of the story later on that we'll get to, but right. Yeah. It's, she doesn't feel like what he's doing is wrong in any way. That's like one of the more terrifying parts. But he tells her her biggest mistake. Let's go, you know, before we kind of go more into a little deep show about the relationship. Mind you, you don't see any scenes in the comics, but you know they're dating. It's plain as day. He calls her dear. He calls her just the dress she's wearing. And it's just like, yeah, that's not something you would just wear. Like scantily clad. But, as the term goes <laughs> but we find out you know she tara's working with slate and slate's going after him to fill fulfill a contract that his son had with hive um but all of a sudden he goes what was it we cannot afford to have you lose your temper before my master plan is enacted so she's he's pretty much getting on to her for the fight with logan because mm-hmm. that temper should have never snapped but she talks about you know, you know, they talk about a little bit about what she's been seeing and, you know, and all the heroes and stuff. But he finally says, be that as may be that as it may be, you have done a job well done or job well. My files are complete. Get suited up. We're about to begin. So this straight up tells you Tara's a turncoat. This is where you get the Judas contract because she's the Judas in this situation. She turns on the team for her own benefits um and again you and he says you know with the son being the one that had the contract originally and he took it over that's how you get that's how he got the contract so we kind of go towards what was it they get into a helicopter but then all of a sudden we transfer to a woman now we don't know who this woman is till later on but she pretty much says, you know, well, I do believe it's time. Slade, it's been a long time, but not long enough for you. So somebody in Slade's life is coming back. We don't know who, though. So yeah. pretty much Tara and Slade take off in a helicopter and go towards their destinations. So this kind of leads us into the second issue. Um before I get to it, I kind of do want to turn back to the controversial scene. Um, and it's not a scene, it's just you know it's happening, and it's sad. And I know, like, if you ever watch the Judas Contract movie, 
they do capitalize on it big time. And how, what's, I know you already know what my feelings are about it, fans, too. Like, I just can't believe they did that. I think it's the most dumbest thing they've ever done. Like, I want to go back and look, because I love Marv Wolfman and George Perez, but it's like, what were you guys thinking? Like, that is not okay. <laughs> Willie, and I think, I mean, I agree. It's definitely not okay. And with the current time, it, like, going back to read it, it does show a lot of controversy. But I think that's, as bad as it is, that's something that makes it even better. Because it's like such a big controversial thing and it shows more of the tragedy of the villains, but it also shows more of the desperation of them. It shows the maniacal nature of them. It shows them how bad, like how bad can we make a villain? Let's show, let's put him in a relationship with a 16 year old girl. Yes. Now, mind you, I think it goes back to the whole thing. I don't think Slade takes it seriously, like as Tara thinks it is, but because he's just using her. Yeah. You're just it's kind of like the same, it's kind of like the same thing with if like if you look at Joker and Harley Quinn, it's kind of like the same relationship in a way. Okay. Like this the villain manipulating somebody into loving them so they can so he can like get what he wants. Right. So we're going to jump to the second issue now. Um, this would be issue 43 in the run. And it's called Book Two, Betrayal. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, we're introduced to Dick Grayson writing in his, in his apartment, it looks like. And all of a sudden, Deathstroke or Slade, whatever you want to call him. You can call him both. I know Willie likes to call him Slade. We'll just, we'll just call him Slade for the convenience of the... Actually, for the convenience of this, we might as well call him... What is it, Terminator? Yeah, he's Terminator in this. Yeah, we might as well call him Terminator for convenience of the book. Right. So he jumps into the house and he he springs through the window and says, hello there, Grayson. Good of you to be at home. Certainly makes my job one heck of a lot easier. So mind you, you would start questioning how the heck he knows all these secret identities. Mm -hmm. That was my first reaction when I first read it. I've read it before. And I thought that, like, how do you know all these identities? But Deathstroke's not that dumb either. So I was like, maybe he hung them down. Yes, I was not that observant <laughs> when I first originally read it. Uh, I was pretty bad with Tara. And uh, oh. so all of a sudden, you know, they start fighting in the, in the apartment. And what was it? But the most interesting thing I wanted to see what you thought. And it says because, you know, what was it? Destro kind of mentions the contract to Dick while they're fighting. And he says, yes, kid, my contract with Hive says they want you dead or alive. That's kind of interesting because all the other ones, which we'll find out, were taken alive. Yeah. But that one wasn't well mind you he doesn't have power so but i was kind of interested still because i was like really like okay sure whatever but they continue fighting um 
also to point out for this when they do fight, well, as we mentioned, Death or Exterminator or whatever he's called, <laughs> we'd had pointed out earlier how he's probably like 50 years old or so. Right. And him being 50, watching that fight, he is in impressive shape and right. incredibly strong for his for his age and it's like shows it's shown the most in this one fight scene how everything that he throws at uh, that dick grayson throws at him it's just like child's play for him right that's one of the most intimidating thing about that character too is like not only is he incredibly intelligent and incredibly skilled but for being at his age and being that strong still right so we continue and he pretty much is beaten up and Terminator looks at him and he goes, come quietly, kid, save yourself some broken bones. But knowing Dick Grayson, he's not going to do that. He's going to fight. You know, what was it? He says, forget it, creep. You want me, you'll have to kill me. And Destro, or not Destro, I swear I keep on calling him Destro. <laughs> Terminator in this book. He literally says, you're not a fool, Grayson. Why are you pretending to be one? So he, that and we'll see, you know, pretty much after that, Dick Grayson falls out the window, or not falls, he, he planned it kind of that way where he could get escape. And he pretty much lands, survives a big fall. But the next thing I found interesting, Cheeky, he, Terminator looks out the window that Dick Grayson fell and says, Tricky Brat, gotta admire him though. Took one chance in a million and he made it. He got away. That right there, I've always liked that scene because Deathstroke does admire him. But <laughs> the thing is, I know there's been an argument about him. And I want to see what you think before we continue. Do you look at him as a Teen Titan villain or do you look at him as a Robin villain? Because he is more at Robin more than the Teen Titans. Yeah, he is definitely more of a Robin villain. It's just, it's iconic seeing him fighting against the Teen Titans right i'm um, considering the stuff that like we've seen growing up with right but it, you can tell his focus it's not the titans it's always been robin right well even in the show i think they did that too where i like the like the deviation of it where he was more of a robin villain when he first started then he turned into more of a teen titans villain. yeah because, like in the first season he was more of a robin villain he was only at robin he didn't care about the Titans. Then he went after the Titans. Yeah. So, and it's always it always shows like whenever he does fight against Robin. Well, he, this show, this it definitely shows him trying to kill him, but it's never really been about winning. It was just more about playing the game. The, the real question is, do you think you would actually kill him? I, I think there because it's like he says, you're not a fool. Grayson why would you even be thinking like that that's where I'm thinking like he didn't want to kill him but at the same time it could be argued it's Terminator it's Deathstroke it's, he don't care he's going to do whatever the contract says yeah but I think there's just that little admiration for him that he would be like I don't want to kill you if I don't have to kill you I don't want to kill you you know but you know pretty much he escapes but then we're introduced to that woman again from the first issue at the end of the issue. 
and she says something that she talks to a guy by the name of Joseph. And we'll come to find out who Joseph is later on in the issue. He must be desperate fighting like that in the public. So pretty much Deathstroke jumps out in the public. He can't shoot Dick Grayson in the yard. He pretty much jumps out and try to chase him. And, um, and then she also states, Slade's been getting sloppy. Good, it might make our job that much easier. So there's something going on with these people. We don't know who, what they're doing with Slade or what their purpose is for Slade, but they're following him. So pretty much Slade runs through the park and Dick Grayson escapes by a marathon run going on. So pretty much he lost him. But he says something, you know, what was it? What's wrong with me lately? I'm afraid, I'm not afraid yet. My nerves are on the edge. He starts trying to blame like, you know, he has other people watching him. He's not on his own. And you can tell that might be why he's getting sloppy. And then we start, when we see Joseph for the first time, and we finally see his face with the woman in the car with him. Um, but she says something interesting too. You might not understand Joseph, but I feel sorry for him right now. He must be so confused. So something that has somebody maybe that in Deathstroke or, Deathstroke or Terminator or Slade or whatever you want to call him, um, it's life. So we don't know who she is yet. We won't know till later on. Okay, we'll get to that later on. I've said that too many times. Oh, <laughs> um, will, be, will be revealed soon. So we start seeing Dick Grayson go to each site. So he starts like, oh no, what's happening? Because he starts realizing that, you know, Deathstroke, I believe, mentions to him that all the other Titans are gone. If I'm not mistaken, he hints to it. So he starts going to each site. So I believe he goes to Donna's and Starfire's apartment first. And notices, you know. Yeah, so I actually like some of the ways they take them out. So hear me out. Starfire is taken out with a present that was supposedly left by Dick Grayson. She picks it up, and I believe it had it's. I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was a certain name. I can't remember. Um, it was like a. It's called an asinizing energy surge. She absorbed it and pretty much made, pretty much knocked her out. It pretty much zapped her where she couldn't even use her powers. Yeah. Um, and Dick Grayson sees it and, and sees the note, if I'm not mistaken. And she's like, I never sent this. So then that's when he started noticing each person was taken. Then we jump over, and that's how Starfire was taken out. Now we jump to Donna's studio. So Donna's studio, it was, what was it? It was, a chem it was the chemical components that she was mixing into her uh, to develop her photos right that's what what was it i was trying to remember the name it was like a siphon it called it he called it a siphonic acid in her tray some kind of alcohol mix in the bottle yeah so it made a toxic chemical that knocked her out so i i kind of find it interesting that pretty much all the characters and you'll see later on we'll go more into it he doesn't even have to fight he only fights really big races yeah and what's cool about how he takes them out too is it's all like all the ways are related to like believable ways 
right. for the for the Titans because right. they like they don't question anything, and it shows how it not only shows how well he knows the Titans, but he like going back to the aliases, how he knows all the uh, secret identities of the Titans, and he's able to get that far into their private lives to manipulate and uh, trick them. Yeah. And so, you know, the next page, we're kind of introduced to the lady again with, Jer or with, um, with Joseph, and they're trying to follow Dick Grayson a little bit. So now the real focus is why are they following Dick Grayson? Why not Slade? So pretty much he knows what he'll find even before he goes inside. Joseph, watch him carefully. Listen to him. The man is through it thorough. He examines each step of the puzzle, looking, searching, hoping against hope for something, anything to lead him to Slade, even though I suspect he knows Slade's too professional to leave anything behind. So we know she knows Slade's moves. She knows how he works, but why follow Dick Grayson? So we're going to go more into it. So we go, then he goes to Cyborg's apartment. Let's see how he was taken out. But she was taken out by a chair, pretty much strapped into a chair and shot to knock him out and take him by Destro. Yeah. It was an electric bolt. It was pretty much an electric charge is what happened to him. Pretty much got knocked out. They put him in the electric chair. So here's the last one we really see, if I'm not mistaken. You know, so he heads to Titan Tower or Teen Titans Tower. And notices what he thinks is that Tara and Raven were fighting against Destro. Yeah. So mind you, Dick Grayson does not know Tara turned. What we know, which we find out later on, the lady. So here, before we get to that, let's. So we notice he notices a big rock that pretty much Tara would have formed. So he's thinking, oh, they fought and they lost. You know, they were really struggling. But here's the most interesting thing. That lady shows back up and shows up in Teen Titans Tower with Joseph. And pretty much call, so what was it? Um. So he's thinking that, and he says it out loud, but the woman goes and says, you're wrong, Mr. Grayson. The Terminator was never here. And he's wondering how she passed this the pretty much the security systems everything we find out her name is adeline you know she introduces joseph everything like that how does she know can't can't look shocked she may be guessing how did you get in here this is a private reverence mr grayson please hear me out all your friends did not fall in battle to the terminator raven was captured by the one you know as tara bum, bum, so, mind you, Dick Grayson doesn't believe this. There's no way. But we find out the next scene actually shows Tara going after Raven. Because yeah. she wanted Raven. She did not care. What was it? Um, so pretty much she fights Raven in an epic battle and pretty much wins. Knocks her out. And almost kills her at one point, but knocks her out. And another funny tidbit of the comic when... Uh, they get to the portion where Tara is about to confront Raven in the fight. Uh, there's a silhouette where Raven is sitting in her cloak. 
It'll and be. she's meditating, and it looks like the head of a raven yeah. or an eagle or something. It looks like a bird, right. but it's a funny little tidbit of the comic that I actually enjoyed. The but artistic she, choice. But we we find out like Adeline is trying to tell Dick this is how Tara took him out, Ted Raven out. And mind you, she's not believing this. He's not believing this at all. Tara wouldn't turn on him. Tara couldn't be a traitor, pretty much is what he's saying. Um, and then we kind of find out what her purpose was. So from the very beginning, she belonged body and soul to the Terminator. This was a most devious plan worked out with Terminator's usual up lump and along. Tara was planted in your group. Basically, she's like, you planted in the group to find the weaknesses, to find yep. the whole, everything about the Teen Titans. And mind you, all the words that we're saying all belong to Mark Wolfman and George Perez and DC Comics. So we're not taking any credit. We're just reading and enjoying what we're saying, you know, talking what we're saying. You know, and she tries to like make him see it like, Okay, how do you explain all your secret identities pretty much being revealed? Your powers and your techniques, your weaknesses were revealed. How do you explain all that? So you wouldn't just get that information. So pretty much like, you know, and then she kind of goes on and on. And then we find out Logan, I think Logan or Beast Boy was kind of the interesting one they took him out with. So he was tricked to believe a fan club wanted autographed pictures of him. Believable. So <laughs> all the pictures and licks the, you know, like the seal on the letter and realizes it's drugged. And by the time I was, I was more blown away just to the fact that he lives in a mansion in this. Well, because like most adaptations that you see Beast Boy now, he was always just like deserted, abandoned, taken in by Doom Patrol, kind of abused. But remember who raised him though, Rita. Rita yeah. was So that's where I do. And, and it's cool because you don't really ever see that though. And this, this is one of the few issues where it like comes straight up. You see where his upbringing is and kind of like his fashion choice in the comic books. Right. And so we got, we jump back to Dick Grayson and Adeline and Joseph. And, but, you know, like she's trying to, Adeline's trying to tell him, like, I wouldn't lie about this. I know this. And, and he pretty much, you know, you know, and then, but something interesting came up. She says the name Slate. Dick Grayson pulls up on this and say, wait a minute, you just said this. We find out Adeline. It's the Terminators or Slade now. I can say Slade. It's wife. Or ex-wife. Then we kind of jump, you know, we jump to an epilogue. So the epilogue is Hive. So for anybody who doesn't know who Hive is, Hive, or what Hive stands for, it's called the Hierarchy for International Vigilance and Extermination. Okay, so then I look at it as it was just like a cult. When I saw, it, I was like, oh, "It's just a cult. That's all it is." It, it just, but we pretty much this is the group that Terminator's working for. This is the contract he has, 
And he calls them and let them know, hey, look, I, I pretty much fulfilled my contract. I'm bringing everybody to you. So that's how issue two or issue 43 ends. You know, as a fan, I actually did like this issue. I think this and the third issue are my favorites out of the four. And mm-hmm. just because it drops everything on you. It yeah. just really does. Um, you can imagine when this issue came out, like the shock that people must have been feeling because this is pretty much the end of the Teen Titans in most people's views at the time because you, you don't know what's going to happen next. All you see is all the Teen Titans like losing right so trying to figure out where they were going to go from this must have been very interesting when it came out right so we're going to jump to my favorite issue of the story and this is issue 44 it's called book three there shall come a type so this is for anybody who knows this is probably the most famous cover of the series where you have deathstroke in the middle joseph on the one side and Dick Grayson on another. So we're going to get his fancy Nightwing costume. Yeah. So pretty much, you know, again, Dick Grayson is still just in disbelief. Doesn't believe it. There's no way. There's not enough proof. You know, so I'm going to kind of skip over a little bit. We, We start noticing like, but we realize something about Joseph. Now, Joseph is not talking. And we find out what was it here, I believe. Hold on, I was trying to look at something here. Pretty much we find out he's deaf. Or he, he can't or he's mute. He can't talk. He can hear and see everything like that. He just can't talk. He's mute. Um, but we find out he has some powers. We're going to get that. But here's the thing. So Adeline kind of goes into Slade's backstory. So we find out a lot about Slade. So Slade was a soldier. Pretty much he lied about his age to enter the army at a very young age of 16. Adeline meets him in the army and pretty much was in special forces training and everything like that. And her dad was it, but Slade kind of like had a unique mind where he would know, okay, this would be happening. So we're going to go this way. So he was kind of like an elite soldier as it was. So, but we find out Adeline kind of outdoes him. She tricks him and then finds out that, you know, she's more of the mastermind of the army. Like she's just, she's more of that sneaky. Yeah. So we kind of jump to a little bit further in and we find out they kind of start having like a romance brewing. But they, you know, she says, I can train you in these ways, you know, because her dad used to be a captain and understood what was it on. Um, we find out it's um Maltel gosh, don't don't butcher me for saying this. Maltel's tongues Chinese communist guerrilla fighters during war and then her father dealt with these guys so she he learned how to fight with these guys so she teaches him the ways i know we're going kind of a little fast through this but but we're kind of summing it up 
you know, she teaches in the ways of this guerrilla fighting unit and pretty much all the techniques that they learned, everything like that. So in the process- Really, it's all her fault. Yeah, we blame her. <laughs> but we find out he becomes a Green Beret. That was one of the big things. He's a big elite soldier. But we find out they have a relationship. They're, they're dating somehow. And, um, and they ended up getting married. They have a few kids um, or a couple kids at the time. Um, and yes, you will find out Joseph is Adeline's son and Slade's son as well. Um, so they have two sons, the one that died in the con with the con that had the contract and Joseph. Later on, we find out he has another kid, Rose. That's another story. Pretty much we go through it, but he goes through an experiment to kind of like make him more of an elite soldier. But we kind of come to find out a lot more too that happens. So we find out Slade's lying to Adeline. He's saying he's going on all these hunting vacations, everything like that. But what he's really doing is being a merc. That's what he is. Because all of a sudden, one night while Adeline's at home, some agents come in and pretty much are trying to find Slade. Burst through the home, everything like that. She's not understanding. She picks up a gun, pretty much starts shooting at him, trying to protect her family. She picks up a book first. Yeah. <laughs> and then she picks up a gun. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but we find out, you know, he comes home. Slade comes home. We find out the Mercs actually kidnapped Joseph. So this will come to a big point of why Joseph's mute. So we'll get to that here in a minute. Slade comes back and it's like, you know, the terrorist called him and told him, hey, look, you know, you want your son, you, you know, you need to pretty much meet me in person. You know, you know, they wanted to kill him. That just what yeah. was going on. But she knows he's lying. to him, And that his secret life as a hunter is not really what he's doing. And pretty much calls him out on it. he comes out in his uniform and says you know pretty much i'm gonna go get him so he pretty much does a liam neeson from taken pretty much says i'm gonna get him i gotta those skills you know so so pretty much he goes after him adeline goes with him he, she pretty much says i'm not you're not going without me i want joseph and so they go meet with this terrorist and all of a sudden you see one of the agents or one of the mercs on the terrorist side pretty much has Joseph pretty much in a hold with a knife to his throat. Pretty much tells him he needs to turn, you know, pretty much, you know, pretty much he has information on the guy who's trying to do a hit on him. So he's pretty much asking Slade, give me your, give me that information and I'll let him go. And Slade's not going to do that. It's business, you know, business you know client relation you know you know assassin client privileges I'm not going to say a word my word is his bond is pretty much what he says and pretty much he goes berserk on him he, he tries to kill him but in the process while he kills the assassin that was behind his son the knife did hit his throat so this is what makes him go mute so he takes him to the hospital they save his life but he lost his place so pretty much, you know, Slade and Adeline break up and we find out how he loses his eye. Adeline shoots him in the eye because of the bet betrayal. And he was still going to go out and be Slade or be the Terminator. Yep. 
pretty much shoots him in the eye. This, I'm done with this. Bam. <laughs> Still, you know, that's one of those interesting things. It's something that uh, one of the kind of tropes that is not as popular that I actually enjoy, where somebody, good or bad, has their values. And they're put in that situation where they have to choose this or this. And something that I actually like about Slade right there is he chose neither. So he chose to keep his values, to hold his bond, but he still saved his son. Right. So that's that's something that I actually like about the character is he doesn't play by the rule that you give him he'll find his own way right so we jump back now from adeline and story back to the present and we jump back to her joseph and dick and pretty much you know dick gets mad at her because it's like you knew about this this whole time and we pretty much wasted this time where are they and Pretty much, he says you can't really barge in as Dick Grayson because he'll just take you alive. Like, it's not going to happen. So, pretty much, he goes, It's time for me to become a full Titan. So, this is where the most interesting thing comes into play. We start realizing how he gets the name of Nightmare. You know, so he says, The Batman taught me, guided me, trained me. What I am, I owe to him. What more can I say? And Superman, I grew up in your shadow, too. You taught me honor, selflessness, and the true meaning of the word hero. Long time ago, you used to the name I've been thinking of. It was a name of your from your Kryptonian heritage. So the story goes is that the it, it's a vigilante during the night that would help protect just like any superhero in his world. And that's what he goes by, is Nightmare. You know... And he kind of goes more into the story, you know, talks more giving the credit to Batman, his mom and dad, Starfires even mentioned. Um, but now I become, but he says, but now I become someone new who com commemorates all those who made me someone special. And he comes out in his disco wing night suit, nightwing suit. But then it's not only that, we see Joseph as Jericho. Yay! Now, I know Jericho's one of your favorite heroes. Or one yeah, of I, he's one of the uh, few characters, in my view, that is one of the most wholesome. Yeah. Like, even though he never talks, but he's like, has such a good heart. And on top of that, seeing his powers in action, how brutal they could be, it's, it's one of the more interesting ones. Right. So I'll let you kind of go over the rest of it, Will, because this is more your scene. This is more of your thrive with Jericho, what he does to Dick. So I'll let you take over. Yeah, so with Jericho, it's the interesting way of his power is he's able to take uh, control over somebody else's body. And like Dick Grayson doesn't really buy it at first until – uh, 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 whatever her name is, Adeline. <laughs> Adeline tells him to demonstrate. Uh, and at like 
out of nowhere, he just locks eyes with Dick Grayson. And all of a sudden you see his eyes change. Uh, they go from being the normal white eyes with green and everything. All of a sudden they're all completely darked out and all you see is the green dots. Um, and that's where you know he's made contact with his victim. He's locked eyes with him. And from there, you just see him dive into the body of Dick Grayson, taking over. And there you see him, he's just making him move. And Dick can't even control the movement. He has full mental control, but his body just moves on his own. <laughs> and the best part is you see him like making him dance. And he makes do all these funny moves. And <laughs> it just shows like how devastating his powers could be being able to take control over somebody like that. Uh, later after the demonstration though, he gives him back full control of his body and Dick Grayson just like wonders like, how can I be sure? Like he doesn't understand you have this power like, how do I know I can trust you? And it's like, it's because despite that, he chose to be on your side. He wants to put this to an end as well. He wants to help you take down his father. Right. I just love how, too, he puts up a knuckle, too. Like, yeah, fist bump. Yeah, let's do this. I, I, I like Jericho. You know, I know Jericho's more your favorite character and partner enough with one of my favorite characters. So it's, like, my only grievance is that I don't like the design. <laughs> I didn't like the design of the early Jericho. So like when they did the Teen Titans show too, they have him in it and it looks exactly like him in the car. Yeah. I actually didn't mind that. But I love the scene. I sidetrack when they go to the cartoon and when they're trying to pass out communicators, Beast Boy has to take it up to Jericho up the mountain. <laughs> He's all tired out, and Jericho just comes over and pets him on the head. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, good just, job. Yeah, like thank you. <laughs> so that kind of ends this issue. It, it really does. They kind of go off to their mission to go save the Titans. So we'll jump to the last issue, which is the Teen Titans Annual, and it's called Finale. Book four, Finale. Um, we're introduced with Hive, so they're kind of having their meeting with all their brothers and everything like that, and they pretty much, we find out, all the heroes are pretty much strong and strapped into a machine. Raven's all the way on the top, you have Donna Troy, Beast Boy, Cyborg, and Starfire all hooked up. And together they form Voltron. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you read it, like I can, I I'm guessing when you read it in like the actual book, you'll see, uh, both of them on like all of them the way that they're situated, they're like strapped in to have, like one on each side. In like if you read it from an ebook like us, it's hard to tell, but when you look at the full view, they're like all the arms and everything, and they form the head. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. I was like, yeah. he's got a point. But so the most interesting thing happened. So Deathstroke finally reveals he had an assistant the whole time. 
Raven's pretty much knocked out. That's the only person that's like really knocked out completely. Um, or like kind of like, or she's unconscious is what really she is. So yeah. pretty much Destro comes out and says, let me show you my assistant. And all of them are scared out of their mind when they see Tara Markov as the assistant. Pretty much, you know. Yeah, so Beast Boy is probably the most freaked. You know, like, you know, what did the Terminator do to you? Come on, don't let him control you. Pretty much is what he's feeling like he's brainwashing her in some ways. Yeah, and And he he just won't believe, like, the thought that, the person that he was falling in love with turns out to be the bad guy. It's like the most shocking and revelation for him that he's just in the most denial out of everyone there. Right. And so Tara kind of goes into it. Like she wants to see them die. And the fact that they use their powers to help every little person with their troubles and, you know, what was it? Um, she kind of goes into it like she's like very selfish in this. Like she does what she wants to do. And so, you know, so we kind of go into it and we transition now. Which I'm gonna kind of go back here. Hold on a second. Um, you know. She's begging us to make us happy doing what we want. Okay, so pretty much we jump to Jericho and Nightwing, and they're on the mountain where Hive is located. They're pretty much crawling up it, and um, what was it? Um, and they climb up a mountain, get up there, and all of a sudden we started seeing attacking more agents. But then we find something interesting. One of the head people of Hive come up to Slade and goes, technically, you haven't honored the contract. And here's the most interesting thing. He names two people. Kid Flash and Robin. Was not brought to them. And so Slade tells him, you have to understand the speedster, or Wally West in this case, is not part of the Titans anymore. So if you want him, you're paying me extra. And and then pretty much it says, pretty much like he's trying to admit to it too, sorry for the long pause. He's trying to admit like, you know, I didn't get Robin because Robin pretty much outsmarted him. But Tara smarts off and says, oh, you couldn't stick with the weakest link, you know, you know, you know, you should have just asked me to do the job. And pretty much Slate tells her, shut up. Like, don't even start. So all of a sudden we start walking into it. And what was it? Um, There's a scene with one of his old comrades and Adeline. I'm really not going to go into it as much. Um, we just know that Slade helped him. And that's why he feels honored to like help him. We're not going to go too much into it. I don't think it's a big part of the book so we're going to kind of skip ahead a little bit um we're going to go back to joseph and nightwing and joseph uses his powers again (laughs) i love how he does it 
he takes over one of the hive members and freaking punches another hive member sitting next to him. And then pretty much Dick Grayson takes over the uniform of the one. And, and, and Joseph's just in the soul inside the other body. It just walking with Dick Grayson. <laughs> I I like Joseph. Now I know what was it? I know you don't like the design. I love the design. I don't care. It looks like a little shepherd's boy. I do love that. So, <laughs> you know, I do love that. And um, so he takes over the body of the guy he punched out, and Dick Grayson pretty much has the costume on, so he can kind of blend in. Uh, so another interesting be- another another interesting thing when he does take over, they point out something interesting. When the person that he takes over is awake, he can only control the body, but the mind is still intact. Uh, if the person happens to be knocked out, though, that he takes over, that's when he's actually able to take full control and right. speak for him. Right. Right. I thought that was always interesting with that. And so because it shows kind of like limitations with the powers that he has. So he's only able to take full control of a host if the person is incapacitated. Right. Which shows that he's not really, he doesn't really take over somebody. He just more is able to manipulate that person. Right. So we go into a, you know, so pretty much they have pretty much all the five heroes up on the, the grandstand and pretty much say, you know, what was it? Um, you know, pretty much that their powers are, are going to be a tool for one of their operations that they're going. Then, but all of a sudden you notice Dick Grayson is, you know, but you see Joseph, like you said, Joseph has full control, but now the guy's waking up. So he's tells Dick, look, I'm losing control. This is not going to be me now here. And so pretty much Dick Grayson springs into action and takes out all the hive members around him but starts a big riot. You know, Joseph takes over a sharpshooter up on the balance beam and starts, you know, pretty much taking over things, but then pretty much goes after it and Terror finds it. So Terror goes after Joseph and um, Dick Grayson. But the most interesting thing is so I'm going to kind of skip a few pages again. We're going to kind of go over it a little bit. Um, what was it? Um, but the problem is nobody knows who the blonde kid is or Joseph or Jericho in this case. Nobody knows who he is. And so Tara's even saying, like, I don't even know who that is. But the sad thing is, is that so Destro comes down and what was it? So pretty much, you know, they say, you know, hey, we got him now. And Destro kind of looks at him, with the hive members, and goes, I'll get him. And he goes, no, Fred, your contract's not complete. We have him. And, you know, and pretty much Tara comes out and says, I got him for you. And, you know, and, but this is where the scene really comes into play and pretty much states, if you got the Stanimo, you could thank me for it later. So this is where we know there's a relationship between these two. Mm. Yeah. 
This was not okay. <laughs> yeah. So all of a sudden, you see Dick Grayson being pulled in by the guards. And, you know, Starfire noticed him automatically. But then the real thing comes into play. Joseph's brought it. Deathstroke recognizes him automatically. Yep. And tells him, that's that boy has was not in my contract. Pretty much tries to tell him without telling him he's my son. You know. And then Tara kind of finally starts recognizing him and basically says, he's your kid. And what was it? Um, pretty much states like he doesn't want it. But then all of a sudden, Slade looks into his eyes and Joseph opens. Mind you, Joseph's been unconscious the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he opens his eyes and the soul goes into Slade. So pretty much Slade has control, or Joseph has to control his slave. That, yeah, that's where the real tides turn right there. Yeah. And so, seeing, and like at that point, when he takes over Slade's body, immediately he uses the body to start turning against, fighting against the Hive members, uh, pushing Terra aside. And I think at that moment, that's where the biggest switch happens in like that whole dynamic with those characters and that's where tara really flips on everybody as well right so i'm gonna have you take over will because i think this is more your scene this is more where you see like you just said slade pretty much or when joseph takes over slade pretty much yeah it's so they release at that point they release the teen titans uh, Jericho uses Slade's body to kind of like shoot the machine, causing it to blow up. All the Titans get released, and that's where the big fight happens, where they're fighting off against the Hive members, taking them down one by one. Um, of course, everything just looks like the Team Titans fighting against the Hive members, and Slade obviously has no control over the situation. But what she doesn't understand all she sees is uh slade helping out the titans so she starts to feel betrayed by everything going on seeing him helping them and she just flips she goes mental starts turning on him saying uh you betrayed me you're a dead man uh and that fight starts to take off where she's fighting against all the Titans on her own. And pretty much the only person that feels like this is where an interesting thing that happens where, because we mentioned before, Tara and Raven have had a very interesting relationship and Raven doesn't feel like she can trust him trust Tara but at this moment we start to see that even though she doesn't and she was right she had good reason not to trust Tara she still does try to help her soothe her anger and bring her back to their side so she never actually like hated Tara but she was uh 
like just weary of her right right and was it she pretty much like knocks raven out too pretty much just says i won't listen to you which pretty much knocks her out really quick <laughs> what's this it, it was so but then we start noticing something too she pretty much tumbles and crumbles herself underneath the pile of rumble of the base and the rocks underneath her. she yeah. kills she is taken out so pretty much how the story ends is they have a funeral for her and they bury her as a titan now mind you the tight so just to kind of give you guys a background so pretty much that's how the story ends and jericho's now made like a full-fledged member or like kind of like a like an honorary member um in the story the teen titans keep it quiet about who about tara they don't tell him that she was a turncoat anybody mm -hmm. he just died as a hero and I know for me, I couldn't look at it that way. Do you think they did right in that case? Or should they have admitted to it? I think when it comes to this interpretation, no. I don't feel like she, like she deserved the right to be considered an honorary Titan because of the fact that she never really redeemed herself in this story arc right she like in this arc she all the way to her very end like seemed like a bad guy right, right. and while she was wronged she felt betrayed all of her actions led up to her being angry and being her downfall right now, mind you, when we get to Blackest Night, Terror comes back to life mm -hmm. as a zombie. And we find out, they find out the truth about her, that she didn't die a hero. She died as a villain. Yeah. So everything comes out in the long run. But pretty much this story ends like that. But here's, so here's, so we're going to actually kind of pitch if there was any problems with the story, which I know there's one huge problem. Yeah. Obviously, know. Beast Boy and Tara's relationship. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I'm going to pitch mine first because I think me and you are actually on the same page with it. Mm -hmm. okay? So, the main thing is Tara's and Deathstroke's relationship. Now, for any fans who've watched the TV show, the Teen Titans, I'm not talking about Teen Titans Go. I don't care for it. Sorry. I know it's not targeted towards us, but still. <laughs> Season two takes on a lot with Judas Contract and Tara. I actually liked what they did with Tara in that story. Mm -hmm. With the whole thing with her being more manipulated than to act with her emotions than to actually have a relationship with Slater. Yeah. So maybe did that whole storyline with the, I think it was like the last, what, five, six episodes when they really kind of like showed the manipulation. Mm-hmm. To kind of like terminate it that way. But then I got another pitch, and this actually came from the X Men versus Teen Titans battle between you and Derek. Okay. I take terror out of the whole situation. 
and put Rose Wilson in. Oh. So with Rose Wilson, there would be no relationship. It's a father-daughter relationship. We hope. But, but <laughs> well, I mean, no, I hope it's not a Wanda silver <laughs> relationship. We don't need to see that again. But, but we say she was been part of the team the whole time. Slate has something on. Mm -hmm. so instead of being that she wanted to do this, she was actually somewhat being blackmailed to do this. And she turns turncoat. That would be interesting. Because I would say that uh, in my perspective, how that would work better is if you have uh, Rose being raised by Slade and trained for years and years and he she's under this manipulation and fully believes everything that Slade says that way after the whole working with the Teen Titans and putting the plan into action if you have the same reaction that Tara had but with Rose where she felt betrayed after she saw Jericho take over Slade and help out the Teen Titans it would be very believable and still fit her into the whole villain aspect. Like it would make a lot of sense working it out like that. I think the only reason I was thinking that was because then at the end, instead of her going against the Titans, she would have went against Slate. Because then she would have seen no, mm -hmm. you know, because I think. Which is kind of how they work, which is kind of how they went in the Teen Titans show. Right. Like, I liked what they did with Tara in the show. Mm -hmm. I sure as heck didn't like her in the movie because they pretty much adapted the whole comic book scene with her and Slade. It even sends shivers down my spine. It, it's just that bad. I did not like that scene. Here's the other thing I would have said. And I, know a lot I wouldn't say bad. I would say wrong. It, it's not been bad with this. Like, I understand the story of Slade, but maybe I would have taken his origin story out. Now hear me out. Because I think that's what was sad, is that we wanted to know what actually happened more with the Titans. And all we got in issue three was literally Nightwing's first appearance and Jerk. But it mm -hmm. was all Slade's origin. I just feel like it could either one been cut down or two maybe that could have been like an aside issue yeah and even then it's hard to say of how it's really his origin because you see him his introduction with uh how he met his wife and how he got his kids but you don't really see a lot of the transition of him how he becomes who he is right that like they kind of all talk about that in the background so it kind of misses out on the development of slade I mean, it works for this story because it's, it does have more to do about his family. So right. I guess it fits. But if you're going to go into the backstory, like really go into the backstory. Right. And I know I thought with the Rose Wilson thing, I thought one, that would eliminate the relationship arc of it all. And two, it would be kind of that tragic turn. Like, it mm -hmm. wasn't something, like, she wanted to do, but she had no choice. So it was one of those things, like, 
I thought that would have been a really good introduction to Rose. And then you have the brother or sister, or like you said, she notices Jericho and doesn't realize she had a brother the whole time. Mm-hmm. Something like that, where it would have been like, I don't believe you now, Slade. Like, it's one of those, you know. Yeah. I think Rose would have fit better in this role. And yeah. I like Tara. Tara is a tragic hero or a tragic villain in some ways. But if you want to see her. I like Tara, but I just think with her story in the comics, I didn't like. They adapted the show adaptation of it. I would have loved it. And mind you, the show came after this book. I understand that. But I think if they would have went that route, what they did in the show, where it was just more of a manipulation thing that Slade played with her emotions, like, you know, hey, I'm here to help you control your powers, or I'm here to do this, it would have made a lot more sense. It would have. Yeah. Instead of doing what they did. I yeah, I guess I can agree with you that taking uh, Tara out would have been probably for the better. Honestly, like you say you like Tara. I kind of don't like Tara just because of the fact that she pretty much got turned into a throwaway character. I agree with you there. I do. I think there should have been more lead up like, mind you, I know she was in a few of the issues before, but there should have been more of a lead up. Like, she's been with the team for a while. And then, that yeah. Happens. Because then there would have been more story with her, maybe where she regretted it and stuff. So I just look at it as it's, it's sad. And there's, I, I just, I just wish they would have worked that out a little better because to me, Tara's and Slate's relationship was very controversial. And to me, like, I know Joker and Harley's relationship is controversial, but not as bad as that. That's a mm-hmm. 16-year-old per lady or teenager with a 50-year-old man. Sorry. Not for that. Yuck! Yeah. <laughs> so, again, we wanted to let you guys know this. Every word that was said, every quote is owned by DC Comics, owned by, you know, pretty much copyright you know not copyright but like it own it's belonged to the creators of the comic and we want to give credit to where credit is due um we don't ever take work like that and so we just wanted to give credit where that is and that goes to mark wolfman george perez and dc comics the what was it um but we hope you guys enjoyed this we want to do more comics like this um i know the next one we said we were going to do is house of m um, to kind of really show you how powerful Scarlet Witch really is, instead of just assuming we're going to yeah. show you how powerful this lady can get. Um, and we're actually bringing Darren Soto on for that video with us. Um, but without further ado, I have nothing else for the podcast, and I wish I had more to talk about. But just again, if you guys are interested in reading this, you guys can watch. Um, of course, you can watch Teen Titans Season 2. Most of the season is pretty much the Judas Contract. Um, you get the introduction. And we say all Season 2, not just the last five, because Tara's introduced in the beginning of the season. So you kind of see her adapt to the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to read the story, um, it's issues 42 through 44. Um, I believe you can get volume seven of the Tales of the Teen Titans and you'll get the first four in the all four issues as well. That's how I got it again. And um, but it's issues 42 through 44 and the annual of 1984. 
So you have four issues. Um, along with there, he made a movie about it. Nah, it's okay. Sorry, but I'm just <laughs> saying it's not the best. Um, but yeah, but other than that, that's the end of our podcast. So without further ado, my name is Brandon. I'm Batman. All right. <laughs> and we are Nightwing. <laughs> no. I'm William. Yeah. And we will, and we are comic talkers. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.